Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm John. It's Charles. I'm Seth. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. And today we're going to... Yes, we have a special guest, Katie, with us this week. She's been on uh, once before, once or twice before, I think, right? You've heard her laughing in the background at our shenanigans. Yes, many times, right. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to be spending a lot of the show today talking about Lovecraft Country. But before we get started, Seth. This week in Nerd News. (laughs) we figured that was a kind of a a fun way to to do that opening so we want to talk about some of the stuff that's going on um that uh fellow nerds might be interested in i think one of the big things was uh this week september 8th uh, wednesday was star trek day uh september 8th 1966 being the day that star trek first aired the original series and so now they've kind of got star trek day um happens um on the anniversary of that date every year. And so this year, um, CBS All Access uh, sponsored a day of uh, free uh, Trek. They were airing um, certain episodes of Star Trek on, if you went to the StarTrek.com website, uh, you could stream it. And then they stopped at um, noon Pacific time, which was like our time, uh, for a series of panels, uh, hour long panels, featuring cast members from all of the different shows, which was very cool. And then they also, when they did the Discovery panel, they released a new trailer for Star Trek Discovery, um, which had uh, some interesting things in it. One is that we saw uh, the Discovery itself had crash landed on a planet. Never good for a spaceship. Never good for a spaceship, especially a starship, um, which are normally not designed to land on planets. Uh, but we have seen it with inside of a uh, a cave. So well, I mean, crashing isn't good for any ship, I guess. No, this is true. This is true. And then um, one of the other things that was mentioned was Burnham was asking one of the other characters, a, a new character, whose name I can't recall right now, but she asked him, "What? So what happened to the Federation?" And his reply was, "The Federation collapsed after the burn." And she looks at him and she's like, what is the burn? And he's like, that's the day the galaxy took a hard left. So it'll be interesting to see what that means and how that all plays out. But Star Trek Discovery starts streaming on October 15th. So just over a month, a couple days over a month away. So like they just, what's the burn? And he's just like, fucking Trump. <laughs> that's very possible. You know, I would have actually thought that if he would have said, "That's the day the, the galaxy took a hard right," then I would have been yeah, like, no, that, that, was the thing. "That was the day that they decided to take everybody's phases away." 
<laughs> maybe, maybe. So uh, I think that'll be pretty interesting. Um, and then um, a couple of the other things. Uh, so the series Away has started airing on Netflix. And um, I just finished watching that. Uh, it I'm was interesting. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little slow. As John said, John couldn't get, he got into 20 minutes of it and couldn't do any more, right? Yeah, it just it the pace was I don't I couldn't get invested in what they what kind of conspiracy theory they're trying to lay down about some accidents. And yeah, there was an accident on their way to the moon. Um, there was a a fire broke out on the spaceship, and oh. <clears throat> the way it got resolved um, um, led the other crew to doubt the capabilities of the um, female commander mission yes, commander who is played by hillary swank she plays uh commander emma green and you know so what? It's, i did a job i watched part of that first episode too oh yeah or maybe into the second but i couldn't i finally decided it wasn't worth yeah i uh, i watched it just to just so i could get through it and watch the whole thing um and it's um, it ends up being kind of light on the science fiction and space stuff, and it's more about family drama. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would oh. I would agree with that only because I, I haven't watched it yet. But I was in a group chat with my family, and my dad watched it all. Um, um, that was pretty close to how he how he had described it. Right. Um, I want family drama. Got lost in space. Oops, sorry, Chris. She started it and then she quit because she said it was too slow. It wasn't it yeah. wasn't sci-fi enough for her. Right. Uh, and the way my dad gave the feedback was that it was about, you know, family and certain particular relationship models and things like that. Um, yeah. So that, that is telling it you have that exact same feedback. That, yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. why you would send a, like, like why you'd send a mother or a father to Mars. I mean, the first Mars mission probably isn't coming back. Literally. That's, that's, it's going to be a one-way trip. Um, that's the most optimistic projected plans anyway but it's like yeah that, that there's the sorry there's uh on the screen now is commander emma green yeah. and then her husband who also works for nasa he was uh supposed to i guess originally lead the mars mission but then mm -hmm. he has some sort of uh, medical genetic condition that predisposes predisposes him to having strokes or blacking out or whatever oh. uh, yeah, that image doesn't actually make me want to watch the show any. No, and and, <laughs> and uh, sorry, I, I think John, were you saying something? It sums it up. Before I'm just I... saying that it's like it's a one. A lot of the projected missions to Mars, the first missions, involve mm -hmm. one-way trips where the people literally live there for the rest of their lives, so they're not coming back. I think it's going to be extremely dangerous. Oh um, yeah, I. I don't know how it's going to be anything but extremely dangerous. Yeah, and they do, and they do show that a little bit, but it's it's really light on the science fiction portion of it. I found myself, you know, struggling to get through the uh, family relationship dramas. Exactly, because it keeps coming so, back up, and if it keeps coming yeah. back up that often, her mind's not on what she's doing. No, you know, it's like shit. and yeah, and then the other the other turnoff for me is that. Uh, er, I think every episode, I can't think of an episode where they didn't uh, in some way try to shove religion at you. 
and they've got one of the characters on the ship, Quasi. Um, he's highly religious. He's got the Torah with him on the on the ship, and he's always, you know, um, getting people together for a prayer group. Now, um, I will say that it's not his idea. Someone on the crew will say, Quasi, should we do a prayer? You know, so... <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so they just do, a, God can't hear us. A here. lifetime series in space, then? It sounds like, like it. That, yeah. Traditional yeah. TV shows. Yeah, that's, you know, it is. That's, that's a good way to look at it. Five, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. If I were to watch this, I would be looking back fondly on Hillary Swank's last role as an astronaut, The Core. Yes, right. Ah. Yeah. And they've a got. Fantastic uh, movie. We should all watch more. We should. And then they've got a relationship between um, Hillary Swank's daughter, um, Alexis, and this kid that she met who on their first date, he has a surprise for, he wants to take her out on a surprise date. So she um, sneaks out of her house without letting her dad know and uh, meets this kid who she's not been out with before. She's talked to on the phone and seen him at school and they get in a car and he's taken her to a surprise um to show her something, to surprise her with something. Won't tell her what it is. And of course, you know, in your mind, you're getting all these, oh God, is this guy going to be a psycho and raper? No, he's, he's, he is a psycho. He's taking her to midnight mass for their first date. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's weird, but there's, there's that in, in pretty much every episode, that type of thing. So wasn't big on it and then um the boys is out i haven't started watching that yet but john you have has anyone else it is katie every bit as gruesome as you want it to be it's a little dark a little dark a little dark (laughs) (laughs) well i'm just saying i've had to i i i've had in order to go to sleep i've had to switch away from it (laughs) oh really the ocean is a little bit wet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to switch over to the Karate Kids so I could go to sleep. And this is on Prime, right? Yeah. Yep. Amazon Instant. Yep. And it's, it's, it's very good. Yeah. Season one was rather dark. So you're saying this is yeah. darker than season well, one? Well, it's just, there's the, yeah. Mm, well, the that, I, I should probably go back and rewatch season one, actually. But um, yeah, it just, there's no let up from the darkness, I guess. No. Yeah. And it's like the people who are sliding into insanity have arrived. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. Well, Good. Yeah. I knew when season one ended with Homelander using his X-ray vision to melt the skull of the uh, the leader of the the, the woman he supposedly loved. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. The one the one person who had had any sort of controls over him. Right. Yeah. Right. At that point, you know, he was unchained. Yeah, right. Oh, no, you don't. All right. I'm not going to spoil it. You guys, you get to watch it unfettered, but it's like his, his he's, he's even more unbalanced this time. Home, huh. I, I'll, I'll be say, fun to watch. I'll say Homelander is a terrible father. <laughs> oh, yeah, all, right. all right. If you want yeah, that is a very truthful statement. You will see that Homelander is a terrible father. It's like, all right. Well, we'll have to uh, cycle back to this on uh, one of our few next podcasts. Yeah, looking and, forward to that. Yeah. And then uh, the last new show that's out, um, Raised by Wolves also on uh, HBO Max. Um, 
really good show. I'm uh, three episodes in, but um, it's uh, it's really good. Uh, the the cinematography, the story, uh, it's very engaging, and you're wondering how it's all going to play out. And just when you think you know what's going on, something will happen, and and you'll be like, wait, what did that guy just say? Did he say what I think? fucking think he said <laughs> you know and yeah he did so <laughs> yeah it, it's he really said good. that he said that thing he said that and that just kind of changes your whole perspective on everything so yeah so i like it so i, I heartily recommend it um okay so let's jump into lovecraft country and i'll give a a, a fair warning right now in that i frequently fall back to calling it Cthulhu country for some reason. I think John did that to me like he did uh, Sean for Seth. I did? I, I don't know when, but I'm sure you did. Well, <laughs> I'm going to give a warning in that we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking about some racist shit here. Yes, we and are. And yeah. most of us are just about as white as you can get. So... <laughs> Yeah, especially with my white hair now. <laughs> Used to not be quite that bad, but so, so and that's kind of one of the reasons, main reasons Katie's joining us this time. No, is, no, no. The uh, racism is not like Katie's joining us. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> for context. Katie, yes, Bill. Katie, Katie is not a racist. She's here to talk about Lovecraft's racist. Um, leanings so that's that's a perfect and audio stories Katie is not a racist is <laughs> at least that's our perception what's that john is that the title of this week's Katie show is not a racist. <laughs> yeah. I, i'm not naming it that i <laughs> don't i don't want to be in that kind of trouble thank oh, you very no. much all right so um, Lovecraft Country. So for, for those that haven't seen it, um, just basically I'll tell you. So the series is about a young black man who travels across the segregated 1950s United States in search of his missing father, learning of dark secrets playing, uh, plaguing a town on which famous horror writer H.P. Lovecraft supposedly based the location of many of his fictional tales. And um, so I know, uh, Chris, you've seen the first four episodes. I'm, I've seen the first three. Um, uh, how four about... episodes is all that's out at this point. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, Katie, you've seen the first four? Yes. And mm-hmm. Seth? As have I. And Charles, you, don't, you haven't seen it. Have oh, you? yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, okay. Are you full through season four? Or, I mean, episode four? four? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, John, you have not seen it yet. No, I've seen it all, yeah. Oh, all right. We've awesome. all seen it. <clears throat> Sweet. So everybody, I think everybody's ahead of me then because I'm only through episode three. But anyway, um, so uh, what are your thoughts? Let's start with Chris and tell him, what, ask him what he thinks. Yeah, so I think, I think it's been really, really good from the unique perspective of, you know, Blacks going through this sci-fi type of horror adventure um, and, and, I'll go ahead and jump into to something that was prominent for me, which is, uh, you know, Charles, you linked to uh, uh, an interview or a reading by Matt Ruff um, a couple of years ago. And, and he brought up something early on in that conversation, which was interesting in, in what he was trying to 
uh, portray. And, and one of the quotes in there is, is more or less, you know, when you're when you're black, there's always monsters in, in America. Um, it's not just, you know, he says, you're elder gods from beyond time and space. It's sometimes the police or the Ku Klux Klan uh, or the registered voters. And I think that's this, this uh, you know, Lovecraft country does a good job of depicting um, these characters, you know, Atticus being, you know, the war veteran and the, the main uh, character here going through and, and these people that join him, uh, you know, the monsters that they're facing in this series aren't just, you know, your typical monsters in the closet or, or under the bed or anything like that. It's the people that they also have to deal with in their struggles. So I think it's a great show. I think it covers um, a whole lot from uh, what they're trying to get a message across from in terms of the racism and, and also things going on in sci-fi and horror. So I'm loving it so far, you know, 10 out of 10 stars. Yeah, for me, the the watching the first two episodes, it was the most horrifying part to me was the racism part of it. Yeah. The and diner I mean, scene, first episode. What's that? Know? The diner scene. Yes. Going in, thinking that you're just going to grab lunch and, and um, right. Uh, you know, George is this, uh, George is, George plays Atticus's uncle. Uncle, yeah. And he does these uh, travel guides, uh, safe travel guides for, for blacks. Where can you get food? Where's, where, where can you travel and things like that? Yeah, so where, there's George there's the lab. diner scene, yeah. Yep. And uh, they stop here thinking, you know, hey, we're stopping to get a bite to eat before we continue going on. And, you know, shit hits the fan kind of thing. And, well, one uh, of them notices that the building is like, yeah, constructed in a certain it's way been and painted white, mm -hmm. and uh, um, the floors were all covered up to, 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 to cover up the, the burn marks or whatever. The place has clearly been you know burnt up before. Um, and uh, you get your first glimpse at um, these um, what it was like to live in some of these places where they were termed uh, you know, sundown counties or sundown uh, states and, and whatnot. And it's just it's terrifying. The first terrifying moment is not a monster, but right. it sort of is. And that was that was new to me because I was not familiar with the term sundown towns or sundown counties before. And when I saw that in there, I'm like, is that something that was just, was that real? And I looked that up just to be, yeah. to find out about it. And it's just, just horrifying. Yeah. All the way up until and, maybe even the early 1960s. And, and, and to be clear, this wasn't just Southern states. There were no. Northern states, you know, all the way, you know, yeah. Jersey even being included. There, there, there are some Northern states who were also included in this. So this, to get a clearer picture, this is not just something that happened in the South. This right. was, this yeah, was and, everywhere. And it didn't really happen all that long ago either. Like, No, you're, you're talking last 60 plus years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There like, are people that, that are running our, our nation that were born into this as a, norm, as a normal thing. Yeah. Think about that. The average age of the people in Congress were alive or raised in this type of environment. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was, when I was watching the show, I was thinking my grandpa is about the same age as Atticus. And, huh. you know, my grandpa's still alive. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like the show is just so good, but watching this level of racism is probably the worst part for me and i think i i appreciate it all that much more for um them giving a realism to what people experience because a lot of this is in literature today it's mm -hmm. not 
it's not portrayed on the screen like it is now, especially not mm. in in, uh, in something that's a popular uh, you know sci-fi slash horror show that's put out there today. They usually steer away from these types of themes, uh, and that's why I enjoy about what Matt Ruff has done here in that that quote I brought up about that. You know, blacks during this time, their monsters weren't just monsters, they're also the people they have to deal with. And he does a really good job of depicting, you know, they're just trying to go from point A to point B. And, you know, more than half of their adventure is not worrying about the monsters in the trees. It's, you know, am I going to get pulled over by a state trooper before the sun hits the, you know, uh, yeah. before the sun goes down? Well, yeah. and, and not even knowing that you're in a sundown county yeah. and then having a racist cop stop you. <clears throat> and you know when they're they're outside the vehicle and they're out in the middle of nowhere virtually right and yep. then the state trooper comes over the ridge and starts pulling up slowly on them and you know i just immediately got this sense of dread and you know what they're feeling in their heart when they see this they're like oh you know what's going to happen to us well, yeah. I mean, the characters do an excellent job of portraying that fear, too. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. That it's like one of the things about horror is like what really makes you, it scares you in a horror story it, or a movie is like that sense of powerlessness. And all these characters have know that they're powerless in these yeah. situations. But I remember when I reflected on the first episode and it's sort of, in a way, it's funny, but the, one of the horrible parts is when the actual evil monsters show up, there's a relief. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did. Right. I, I, At I, least I, they I, could fight those. I was rooting for the evil monster. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. They, and they did. But yeah. they, they killed the state troopers. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. for a character like Atticus, what does it matter whether you're facing a racist uh, sheriff or a magician who's yeah, also right. racist and <laughs> they both have power right. that you don't have yeah. <clears throat> so talking about that first monster encounter um yeah. so i'm i'm also reading the book lovecraft country and you know there there are similarities and differences obviously that happens with every Always, work yeah. um but in that scene um, you don't actually see the monsters in the book. Um, it's assumed that they are Shoggoths, which in the Lovecraft mythos are essentially beings that were created as a slave race for the elder, elder things, um, which is from At the Mountains of Madness. So in the book, the, the Shoggoths don't you know, you don't see them, but also they do not attack um, Atticus and his group at all. Like they oh, just go after the sheriff and his deputies. And, huh. you know, so there's kind of, there's so an affinity they, there. So do they, ex see. yeah. Mm -hmm. So do they explain that in the book? Is that because they don't they attack don't, Atticus and his group because of his blood? Line no, or? no, they don't explain it at all. But oh, okay. before that, there's, um, some conversation about Shoggoths and how that they, you know, Shoggoths were, you know, slaves. Um, okay. And there's, there's some language in the book that I'm not going to repeat here. That's kind of a mashup. Um, okay. Uh -huh. You can probably yeah. think about it. But. Sure. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's language from the show that we're not going to repeat here either. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah, so now that that scene there that Linda has on the screen, that's from the very opening scene of the series. And uh, it's when um, Atticus, which uh, they they also call him Tick. That's his abbreviated, mm-hmm. his, uh, abbreviated name. Um, he's like uh, dreaming. And he's uh, he loves reading adventure stories, science fiction adventure stories, fantasy stories. And so he's having this, this dream where, you know, all these uh, adventure stories that he's read are, are, are showing up in this one dream. So you've got, you know, these uh, Lovecraftian monsters along with UFOs and Bigfoot and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And, um, I was, I, like, like everyone else, I was happy to see the monsters, uh, attack the cops, um, cause they were so racist and, uh, you know, <clears throat> they, they, um, uh, did a good job of portraying that, you know, the, uh, the officer that came over the ridge, um, you know, he, explains to them that they need to be out of the country by sound sundown or he's going to lynch him essentially. Right. And, um, so then Atticus, who's, um, very intelligent, um, you know, he says, uh, he says, well, you know, if we head, uh, south or whatever or north or whatever we can we can get out of town in time no you're not going to make it going that way what what if we head south or whatever yeah there's the there's the racist officer and so finally the he picks a direction uh and the uh the officer says yeah you might just make it you got like nine minutes you might just make it and then they they get in the car and then atticus thinks oh wait a second if i got it to go that way, I've got to make a U-turn and go back to that last road to head north or south or whatever it was. And so he asked the officer, would it, if, would I be able to make a U-turn here? And, you know, you could just tell at that point, the officer was waiting for him to make a U-turn without asking. So he'd have an excuse to arrest him. And you're like, God, that fucker, because he says, you know, well, aren't you the smart one? You know, I, except I don't think he says. Yeah. And that's, that's the life that they're living is, is from that point on anything he says or does, he realizes that cop is just looking for an excuse. So I'm going to play out what my next three or three moves is and ask the officer (laughs) <laughs> is this okay before I do it? Right. And that's, can, that's, that's scary in itself. You can also Just, tell like that the officer was getting off on the power trip. Oh, yeah. Oh, he definitely. He was enjoying the whole thing. And he was going to get away with it. That's the thing. Who, who was going to punish him? Yeah, nobody. Well, a bunch of Shaw Goths, it turns out. Spoiler <laughs> warning. <laughs> All right. I think that one lived, though. Well, that uh, one no. did, but the other officers in the other time. He got bit and became one. It looked that's like. right. I, I, not that one. I thought. Yeah, they, he did. Away from that. He was part of that power. Yeah, but he but he came back. So so he so he basically followed them after they said, well, if we head north or south or whatever, we got nine minutes, we can get to the next county and be safe. So he basically followed them because the speed limit was like 25 miles an hour. Yeah, so and he couldn't so exceed they, the speed limit. Before. Right. So they've got to be sure that they're not exceeding. And then, of course, he's ramming their bumper the whole time, right? I remember so, that. But it's yeah. like he, So then they get to the – yeah. So then he stopped. He did. He stopped. They went over the railroad tracks into the next county. They were safe. The sun set. But as they come over the next little ridge there, there's like three or four state patrol from that county. 
Those are yeah. And I thought it was those four that got bit. It wasn't yeah. the original cop who. No, I think he was no. The original cop he was there and joined I'm, them. I am absolutely positive he was not, but um, he, he was because I was looking for him because I wanted to see him get bit really bad. <laughs> I did. But. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Linda can look for that in the background. See if you can find a a picture of him, um, Linda, where he's uh, where they're holding him hostage in the uh, in the forest. Well, so. Well, we were talking about this before, and the opening scene shows uh, a bunch of these stories that Tick likes to read mashed together. Yeah. And so after that opens, he's talking to, uh, it, was that Letitia who was on the bus with him? No. No. no just, uh, just another, uh, just another, just another black yeah. passenger on the bus. Yep. So they have to walk uh, into town when the bus breaks down, and he's explaining about the books he reads to her and she, and uh, she was and they have a conversation about how he can enjoy these books whose authors were so racist and had racist themes in them and uh, that kind of comes down to or it comes down to being able to enjoy the story yet remain critical of it and the people who created it which kind of leads us into Lovecraft as himself. Now keep in mind, you just mentioned that they had to walk into town. Did anyone else in that bus have to walk into town? No. 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 They all got a ride in a pickup. And they you could tell they weren't even going to ask if they could jump in the back of that pickup because no. you could tell no. that that would have been a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just... That, that kind of sets the stage as to, to right early on what, what, what time period this is in, and they kind of go from there. So Yeah, and he um, was coming into Chicago at that time. Yeah. Yep. That was, yeah, that wasn't deep south. That was <laughs> yeah. Chicago. That was Midwest. Yeah, because I think, I, think I think in the very beginning, and I think this is actually uh, in some of the reading with the, uh, I think in the first couple chapters of the book that, that you're reading, Katie, um, there was like a, like a feeling of relief when they passed through this state line or something like that. So I think yeah. if I remember correctly in the show, they they turn around and like flip the sign off or something like that, or they're like <laughs> good riddance where we're past here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then even then they get they get past that line, bus breaks down, and they're still on their own. You know, there's no help to get back to the rest of the town or anything like that. You gotta haul your luggage and walk the rest of the way. And it's just like, yeah, so it's not just the south. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing. Yeah. So yeah, it, it plays out a little bit differently in the book. Um, mm-hmm. He's not on a bus. He's actually driving his car and his, you know, tire breaks down and he can't actually call any of the local <laughs> repair yeah. places for help because they won't help him. So he has to call a, you know, a company in Indianapolis, which is like a 70 minute drive away to come and help him. So... Yeah, everything to, uh, obviously adapted to the screen, but the the message there still ends up being the same. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about real quick a powerful moment. So we, we talked a little bit earlier about how you know all these characters experiencing horror all the time from all aspects, right? From the people that they have to see every day to the actual monsters or sorcerers that they that they, they end up having to face. In episode like two or three, um, I think it's three. There's a there's an awesome moment where where Letty who is um, uh, Tick's childhood friend that he grew up with 
um, has, has had it, right? They, she just bought this house. They moved in a bunch of people. They're having a party one night. And throughout the past day or two, they've been harassed by the neighbors, right? This is, this is a white neighborhood. You can't, you can't be here kind of thing. And so they lined up a bunch of their cars, um, the neighbors did, uh, and strapped bricks to the, to, the, to the steering wheel laying on the horn. So for, for constant days and hours, it, it was just a blaring horn. And uh, it, it kind of boils over at the point where at some point during the night, um, those neighbors stand up across and light it on fire in front of, uh, in front of the house. And, and you, they, they flash the lady here and then she gives a tick a look and then she just walks outside, grabs this bat and there's this powerful moment where she's just, she's taking this bat. She goes out there, beats the crap out of the cars and it's just, to me, it's a really powerful moment. And, and she knows she's going to get in trouble for this, but it doesn't matter at this point. She, she's had it, she's done with it. Um, and I appreciated that they had that scene in there because, you know, these characters are going through so much and then, you know, you can see where when it boils over, they're like, we're done, we're not having it. And it's kind of cool because all the other black men stuff or the shotguns didn't bother to help, but, you know, they're keeping guard or whatever while she's out there just beating the crap out of the cars. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. And then obviously, as you can imagine, punishment came after that when the police arrived ever so quickly after that started. Mm-hmm. And everyone got down on the ground, on their knees, yep. with their hands behind their heads before the cops had showed up. Yeah, it was amazing how fast the police showed up at that moment. Yeah. And then, the, and then of course, the whole trip to the, uh, the police station with um, Letty yeah. in the back of the well, that, van, so she's that handcuffed. Actually, that reminded me a great deal of the Fed, Freddie Gray incident. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. ring a bell with me with on, on that. Yeah. Like, who, who, who was beaten by the police but didn't survive the trip to the hospital because of the, the ride, I guess. And it's like, like damn it's like that's it right there it's like he's watching this lady just get just bouncing around the cab of the of the van it's like wicked did anyone uh read any of the (laughs) (laughs) we have another guest on the show yes i did i did i did kind (laughs) of it was it the racism was very well done uh i don't know if that's a Let's not put that quote to your name. No, it's, it's, it's <laughs> accurate. It's well done in mm-hmm. terms of how um, it illustrates racism to a group of people that racism is invisible to. Mm-hmm. But it's like there, there's it. It was everywhere, and it's like mm-hmm. I, I I didn't find the horrifying parts to be horrifying anymore. It's like the scariest parts for me was, was the racism. It's like, mm-hmm. I was almost like, like Charles said, I was almost relieved mm-hmm. when the monster showed. Cause the monsters in a, in a very big way were equalized the relationships. Everyone was in danger. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it's, it was a strange experience to see that. Yeah, the actual monsters actually didn't have any discrimination towards who they, they were. They did not. They did yeah. not care. Except in the forest, they almost seemed to discriminate against the police officers. I was all in favor of it. A little yeah. bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found the, uh, I found the uh, evidence. Can you see that? Yep. Picture. So that's, that's where he's pulled them over. The racist cop has pulled them over in the forest. And 
told have them you been to, obsessing about to this get out. Yes. Have you just well, been, this has been kicking around your head and you just can't let it go. I can't. All right. So now here is the other image. So this next image that I'm going to share is from the scene where the cops all have Tick and his um, uh, associates on the ground at shotgun point. Can you see it? Oh, so he did show up there. Okay. Yeah, that had so just been part of the other group that uh, they ran across after they crossed the border. Yeah, yeah so there he was. was leading him into a trap. Yeah, he was. And and so what happens to him is is um, really good because he gets his arm ripped off. And, um, and then we find out that these creatures that attacked him are similar to vampires in the way that if you get their bite, you become infected and eventually you turn into one of them in a particularly gruesome scene. And uh, so I think that was uh, just desserts. So somewhere uh, that that guy as a Shogoth is still running around the forest. That kind of thing has nothing to do with Lovecraft's monsters. (laughs) (laughs) That is something they just completely made up. (laughs) Did Did any of, did that happen in the book? No. No, none okay. of that happened in the book. Like I said, in, in that mm. scene, they don't actually see the monsters. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Well, but yeah. they didn't kill any... So nobody yeah. turns into a Lovecraftian no, monster no in the book. No one turns into a Shoggoth. That's not actually how Shoggoths work. Okay. So they're taking <laughs> uh, little liberties with the story here. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, again, is... that always happens with book to screen. So yeah. It's... Right. I mean, the the book and the show are obviously using like mm-hmm. Lovecraft and the stories as mm-hmm. uh, not a not Lovecraft came up with the world and was writing about the world, but mm-hmm. like he would like the there are just similar monsters. Yeah. Like during that scene, they were talking about Drac Dracula, and uh, George was like remembering dracula and quoting it and then another and i think tick was like yeah what happens when Dra- when a vampire bites somebody so that was kind of you know showing how their reading had mm-hmm. kind of equips them for survival mm-hmm. um katie mm-hmm. do you think that lovecraft would approve of the way racism was portrayed here because to me, to me it's <laughs> racism was uh, actually it, it it horrified me, and I I mm-hmm. always thought of Lovecraft as someone who was ex- just themselves, and it's like probably would not portray racism as the ultimate no. evil. So. No, no, no. Um, so you know, just to be clear. Lovecraft was a racist, sexist, bigoted piece of shit. But (laughs) how do you really feel? Because (laughs) but he created this world that you know. I I don't know what the but is. He's a racist, sexist piece of shit. But it's like Mm -hmm. yeah. So he created this world where you know a lot of other authors have you know set stories in it's it's a sandbox world essentially that he invited other people to play in and a lot of the people who are now playing in that sandbox especially you know black indigenous people of color he definitely would not have approved of 
Well, uh, and yeah, and Katie, that that one article that you posted, uh, one mm-hmm. of them that I read talked about the fact that I think it was in 1975 they created an award for excellence in like fantasy work, and mm-hmm. it was called the Love or the the what's his first name? Uh, uh, Howard. Howard. It was a Howard Award, but it was a bust of Howard Lovecraft, and mm-hmm. so for you know, black authors that are writing stories that are winning this award, they're going to take the bust of this avowed racist um, into their homes just seems like an anathema to me. I mean, it's just, uh, how could you do that? So yeah, and and it's a very prestigious award. uh, And uh, Nettie Okrafor, Mm -hmm. uh, the first black person to ever win it, what uh, said that it put her in real internal conflict sure. uh, mm. quoting her a statuette of this racist man's head is in my home a statuette of this racist man's head is one of my greatest honors as a writer yeah and, i have to think yeah. from the setup of the show in the very beginning where he is you know they talk about john carter and mm-hmm. other sci-fi stories that part of this is love uh, lovecraft being on trial in a sense. It's sort of like Q in the first episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. His racism is going to be up front. This is his world, in a sense, the way he would want it, so to speak. Yeah. And I, I, I hope there's there's some level if he's judged for it. Um, I'd, I'd like to throw out one of the things that Lovecraft is given credit for um, is a view, like a philosophy. It was called uh, Cosmicism. Mm. You know this, Katie? I'm not so well. Well, so the the, the idea of cosmicism um, mm-hmm. is sort of like pantheism, I think. Except, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna read something. Humans are particularly insignificant in the larger scheme mm-hmm. of intergalactic existence. Yes, absolutely. So, so Lovecraft, uh, as far as I could, had a very it's a very odd form of low self esteem. <laughs> but his monsters and I believe his stories usually play out it turns out the character that's viewing everything is mm-hmm. insignificant compared to Cthulhu or Cthulhu or yeah, mm-hmm. Cthulhu. Right. important things happening right yeah essentially a lot of Lovecraft's mythos is about you know humans are essentially insignificant specks in this universe that is not even antagonistic to them. It's so, you know, they don't, it doesn't even care. It's as though, Mm -hmm. you know, humans are ants and, you know, the old gods are, you know, elephants or something like that. Mm. So it's- And it is interesting to me that somebody that could think up something like that still remains a racist, but- um... (laughs) It's like I also get like he's got a str- really strong, th- strong, strong themes of fear of the other and the, the outside, and it's always something that's so strange and alien that our minds can't grasp it. Mm-hmm. But it's also like his xenophobia that is like at the core of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I really think that the you know the the whole cosmicism um you know that kind of stems out of his racism and fear of the other I think he wanted an order 
I, 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 given us a lot of thought, I do think in, in a sense, because um, he, he doesn't believe in a God, he's an atheist, mm-hmm. but he still right. seems to think there's an order to the universe. So there are things out there that are more important than the white man. Mm-hmm. And the white man's more important than the women and the other races, right? And mm-hmm. who are probably yeah. more important and, than and you know, there are there are also yeah, there are also white people who are more important than other white people. The right. so called degenerate families. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. does not like hillbillies at <laughs> all. <laughs> One of the yeah. nice note when I was when I was kind of just rereading up on Lovecraft was that he never he never in his lifetime got welcomed into the elitist club. Mm-hmm. All his books were pu- short stories and stuff were published in in um, venues that he didn't necessarily approve of. Well, I mean that was the way for pretty much all science yeah. fiction and fantasy. Uh, it's not until recently that it's gotten any sort of critical. Well, uh, it's it's nice to know he was bothered to the end. <laughs> well yeah that is a good feeling well i mean it's like but but back to my original question do you think he would approve lovecraft would approve the show oh the no. way everything's portrayed no oh, no no because because it shows the ugly face of racism and mm-hmm. it also features um black people in heroic roles mm-hmm. yeah he would have hated that yeah that shows yeah. him the smart heroic yeah. Um, well, I think you had that old traditional mentality of blacks weren't even really humans. They were, you know, right. subspecies. They're, you know, so no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so in that sense. I'm curious um, if if there would have been two opinions that he might have had on it versus, you know, his world versus the people that were in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd be curious whether he would approve of how they're doing the story versus mm-hmm. who's who's the one in the actual story. But yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things uh, that I read in uh, one of the articles that you posted, Katie, was that um, Lovecraft um, saw uh, Hitler um, as kind of a convenient fool, right? Mm-hmm. He was, you know, doing the kinds of things, taking care of the, the Jewish question, right? Um, but he saw him as a fool overall. And yeah, I think, the, I think the exact quote was, he's a clown but I really like the boy. Right. Yes, that's it. That's it. And, you know, as I read that, I'm thinking today about the, the racists that Trump is playing to and how many of them see him as a fool, but they support him because he's allowing them to come out into the open and espouse their, their hateful viewpoints. Right. Mm-hmm. And, so it's, you know, uh, in a way, history repeating itself, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's sad to think that, you know, uh, a lot of that happened in the early 1940s. And here we are in the first part of the 21st century, and we're still fighting these same things. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, and I don't, like, Black Lives Matter is literally civil rights part. It's like we've done this before. I don't understand why we have to do it again, but apparently we do. Some, some well, I, I think that's part of why the show and why recognizing like like 
this stuff about uh, H.P. Lovecraft and other authors and our history, like, this is our history. It's not the, like, we have, we need to apply these same filters to Lovecraft or that we've, that we realize about Lovecraft and like, yes, he was a horrible asshole who was racist and sexist and just bigoted but he created this thing that we all kind of love. But now, maybe take that to the founding fathers? <laughs> mm-hmm. right. yep. It's like... No, I, I agree, but it's a, it's a hard thing to... It's a hard upon people. It's a, but, it's a hard thing to drudge up. Um, mm-hmm. Just because a lot of people either don't want to hear it, they don't want to see it, they don't want to believe that it's there. Um mm-hmm. And and so you get you get either significant pushback from the community when you try and drudge that up, or um, you know you get people that say it, it's not a thing. You know, it, you know, racism doesn't exist. I don't see color BS. I, I know. Um, and at the same time, like we mentioned at the beginning, this was not that long ago. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I'm kind of proud of HBO for like bringing this all home. I mean, doing it with Lovecraft Country and Watchmen, where honestly, a lot of people for the first time learned about the Tulsa massacre. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I, I've been hoping because they, they mentioned Tulsa, like about the third episode. They just mentioned it because uh, Atticus's father had uh, survived the Tulsa massacre, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I've been this is just me being weird, I guess, but it, I am hoping that HBO doesn't like that they have like uh, their own version, their own superhero, uh, like the Marvel universe. That they have their own universe for all of these things, and they all start in Tulsa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Tulsa yeah. Cinematic Universe. The Tulsa. <laughs> that sounds. Exactly. That doesn't sound half fun. Well, it doesn't sound happy, but it, uh, um, you know. Yeah. Because uh, it's Show, showing just like the rippling effects of that. If you watch the, yeah. it's well because I know what I've been going through because I watched the Watchmen first, and so when uh, when Atticus's father, I think it's his father, uh, sets that book on fire. That might be the fourth episode you haven't seen, Bill. Oh, but he pours. No, whiskey. I saw the book set on fire, and he poured yeah. the. Yeah, and then he goes. It smells like Tulsa. You know. Well, if you. Yeah. I could see not knowing what that meant, and then I can see knowing what that meant, and it's horrifying. You know, you know, I I, I watched that, and in the part where he says "smells like Tulsa," I didn't catch that uh, the significance of that until just now. Mm-hmm. I, I heard that. I of course knew about Tulsa, but when he said that, I'm like, "Well, I mean, what the hell does that mean?" Like that anyway. But... It kind of went over my head, but now that you mention it, I'm like, "Oh, duh, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome." <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome in its nastiest and sickest form, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, awesome in that they 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 threw that they in there. He that made that, there. Yeah. yeah, that he made that comment because it's like mm-hmm. just want yeah. to clarify. And you know, you're not supporting the Tulsa massacre. No, <laughs> no, in no way. Yeah. In the context of the story, um, George and Montrose's family uh, escaped the Tulsa massacre. Um, essentially, there's there's kind of a flashback in the book that talks uh, about it, so uh, that's mm. that's how Tulsa ties into this story. 
I was uh, I was really sorry to see George die. Yeah. I, was I like George. Yeah, I liked him too. Yeah, he was a great character, and I was like the the yeah. in the first couple of episodes, the dad didn't seem great to me at all. I'm like, well, and, and to that to that point, there's a ongoing uh, a little bit of mystery there over who really is Tick's father. True. Right. Right. So um, it does get as you go through the storyline, and as we build that, there's kind of some uncertainty over whether. Uh, George could potentially be Tick's father, or um, well, it, 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 and I was wondering yeah. about that too. In the fact that they wanted uh, Tick for his blood, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they want his dad? Right. It's his mother. Uh, yeah. His mother's bloodline. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that makes sense. I didn't get that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because I was kind of wondering that too. But then they did kidnap the father, or somehow yeah, they, they got him. Right? They had him at the house. He was like his father was invest went to investigate uh, and then disappeared. Yeah. yeah, okay. And then they sent the letter to bring Tick there. Okay, gotcha. but I mean that that's kind of Lovecraftian right there. That whole, the entire storyline of how he's drawn into this mm-hmm. is very reminiscent of a lot of Lovecraft stories of the hero uh, lo- losing contact with a relative and going to find them and finding the research that they've done or whatnot like that is a really strong just like reference homage reference to mm-hmm. lovecraft's stories and how he set up his tales of horror yeah and uh, uh i thought in episode three it was uh it was very interesting when that uh christina Braithwaite when she tries to go into the house that they bought and they exercise the demons out of that house and she just hits the threshold because there's a the blood of a a goat uh, in the shape of a cross on the on the door frame she just like hits a force field and bounces off of it and she can't go in and I'm like that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah there's definitely uh, definitely some weird powers with that one so Um. Kind of sad you haven't seen episode four yet, Bill. Yeah, I know. I'm. I I had planned to watch it, and then we just got busy with stuff yesterday, and the day got away from me, so I didn't get a chance to. But um, mm-hmm. it's on the it's on the schedule for tonight. It'll make a good Sunday night show. So yeah. <laughs> four four was pretty good. Um, can't wait to see some more. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'm excited too. And it's, it's uh, they're bringing a really good show. I I, I do love. I really do love the weekly episode release thing because I like to have a week to think about what I've seen and maybe rewatch it or talk about it with people to see what their impressions were and stuff. Um, and, you know, you just don't get that when you get the, the bulk release of the season because, you know, with everybody being separated everybody has their own schedules to watch stuff and it's hard to talk about something with somebody because they may be five episodes ahead, which of course is going to necessarily color their view of the previous episodes that maybe you're not that far along in. And so you, you want to talk about it and then they can't because they, they know stuff that you don't know. So the boys, the boys are getting review bombed hard because they're doing because of that, right? Because they didn't release the whole thing. Yeah. 
and they're yeah. getting they're getting hit hard because because they're spoiled. The fans are spoiled, and I I kind of yeah. figured they would be spoiled, but you know they'll get over it. But yeah, I mean I I kind of agree. It's and I don't I never did understand the the whole dropping of the seasons all at once because that doesn't yeah. seem like a good marketing. Ploy. I think that was a, a like started with uh, incorrect correct me if I'm wrong. It was, that was something that started with Netflix. Yeah, you know, when Netflix started doing the things, they could just drop it all at once. It didn't matter, but that's how they were. That's what their audience wanted. Not everyone else has adopted to it. I actually prefer the fact that they're going back to doing partial releases or whatever because there's so much to watch. Right. Um, it's hard to kind of stop on episode two of 15 or something like that. Yeah. There's four other shows I kind of want to watch. Um, I don't have to worry about binging at all. What I can do is I can spend an evening getting caught up on three or four shows. Right. And then I have a week to kind of digest all that and then do it again the following week or whatever. Yeah. Instead of being like, you know, can I get through 15 episodes of this show before whenever? Yeah. Yeah. Because when it all dumps at once, you feel that pressure mm-hmm. to get through it before somebody spoils it for you. Right. Right. Then you're, then you're done. It's like if there's a limited right. number of things you want to watch on Netflix, you're done with Netflix for a while. So yeah. I, I always wondered about the marketing strategy of dropping right. everything. And and CBS All Access is doing that, just a, a single show, you mm-hmm. know, per week when they release a new series. So, yeah, so I I I, I prefer that. I think it gives you a lot more chance to to talk about stuff. Well, so, I, for me, it brings me back to um, almost uh, family time when I was younger, right? The family would get together, have yeah. dinner, or whatever, and then that show of the week would come on, right? Day to, to me that it seems to be I feel more homely with them going on that schedule. Yeah, uh, as opposed to what it used to be before. So it gives you something to look forward to to the week. Yeah. It's almost like your your weekly D and D game or whatever. You know, right? You look right. forward to hey, it's coming. Uh, you know, I just got to hold off for Saturday night for the next episode. And yeah, yeah, exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to to kind of bring us back to Lovecraft. Uh, should like to really to get some of these themes out of the episode should we be reading some lovecraft trying it's suddenly yeah. <laughs> lovecraft lovecraft is dense if you do any reading now you are like you will see a definite uh, difference in style but i know what i've what i've just gone through this week it's kind of I've gone through this a lot in the last four years, but um, there's there's things that I've read or experienced in my youth because I was too young to understand them, mm-hmm. and Lovecraft would be one of them. I, I couldn't tell you when I read Cthulhu, but I read it. You know, it's probably middle school, and I'm I'm absolutely sure that any racist themes or what he named his cat or what none of, <laughs> none of that none of that got into my head right. Yeah. I would have read over it. And okay. then having to come back and you're like, holy shit. This, this was rough. And I, I, <laughs> I didn't make it through anything because it was a little much. Uh, I've got a couple questions for Katie here. Uh, okay. What Lovecraft would you recommend that people read to kind of get an idea of his writing and his stories and his racism? Uh, but still, like, be able to appreciate as stories. Mm-hmm. And then you were also telling me about there are several new uh, authors, or there are several authors in the field who are uh, uh, 
several authors you wanted to point out mm -hmm. as right. newer in the field. So, okay, so as far as stories that you can read to kind of, you know, get a an example of Lovecraft's writing, um, I think a really good one is The Call of Cthulhu. Um, that it's a you know pretty famous short story um does have themes of racism in there that you know you will be able to pick up on um but in general that one's just a really good story um the see the shadow over innsmouth is another really good one um that's it it deals more with ideas of um, bloodlines and, uh, you know, the it, kind of the, the tainting of the, you know, good white race or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that one's a really good one and has a pretty good kind of twist ending. Um, but if you really want to dig into the absolutely you know, racist, Despicable <laughs> stuff. most racist stuff, I would suggest reading The Horror at Red Hook. Um, or alternatively, reading a review that someone has written of it so that you don't have to read it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I read that one yesterday. Of, yeah, there's a really good review of it on Tor.com. Um, a couple of the writers there have a... Lovecraft reread series that I would highly recommend. Hmm. Um, and what was that on, Katie? Again, tor.com. T o r. T o r.com. Okay. This is kind of their their blog page for the okay. publishing company, but it's separate than the publishing company. Gotcha. Uh, well, it, I mean, it's it's a it's separate from their main website, is what I'm hmm. saying. Okay. Um, so I would, if, if you are interested in diving into Lovecraft, that's probably a really good place to start uh, is the, the HP Lovecraft reread okay. um, on tour. Um, and then we'll as far, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we can put all of this in the, the show notes and everything like that. Um, yeah. And then I wanted to, to talk about some authors who um, are writing right now. Um, I, there's a lot of uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color, BIPOC authors um, who have kind of taken on, you know, Lovecraft's world mm -hmm. um, and, the, and also just horror in general. Um, so I wanted to, to kind of touch on some of those really good authors that, I, that I've come across. Um, okay. One of them uh, is Victor Laval. Um, he has a novella called The Ballad of Black Tom, which is essentially a rewrite of the horror at Red Hook from the perspective of one of the black people there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it kind of twists the story and it has a, a very satisfying ending. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so that's, that's that. Um, I would also recommend... Uh, Carmen Maria Machado. Um, she, let's see, I think her kind of debut collection of short stories is called Her Body and Other Parties. 
Um, I have not read it yet, but I have read other like short stories of hers and she is very good. Um, see, uh, Silvia Moreno Garcia, um, her newest novel is Mexican Gothic, which I have, but have not read yet. And I know that it's already been picked up for, I can't remember if it's a movie or a TV series, um, awesome. but that is supposed to be very, very good. Um, and she has actually edited a lot of anthologies and short story collections um, of, you know, kind of in the Lovecraft mythos. Um, and one of those was, let's see, She Walks in Shadows, which is a collection of short stories by female authors um, in the Lovecraft mythos, which I thought was really cool. Um, another one is Stephen Graham Jones. Uh, he is actually a Blackfeet Native American. Um, he's written a lot of novels from kind of that perspective in the horror genre. Um, let's see, what's the good? I think, yeah, so the one that I have is Mapping the Interior. Um, and then his newest one is called The Only Good Indians, which, you know, yeah, if, if you're familiar with the, the total phrase, you can kind of see where that's going. Mm. Um, and there are definitely a lot of others. Um, this is just kind of a, a surface level review. Um, if you want to get into the larger horror genre, I would recommend um, Helen Oyemi. Um, she is Oh gosh, I can't remember. She's actually from one of the countries in Africa. I cannot remember off the top of my head, um, but she actually lives in Britain um, and writes in the horror genre. Um, the one that I've read of hers is called White is for Witching, which was very good. Um, let's see. Yeah, and I, I will go through and put together a, a whole list that we can add to the show notes. Um, Perfect. But yeah, Excellent. I would highly recommend some of these contemporary authors. So I just looked up most of those. And if you're in audiobooks, which I've been a lot uh, lately, mm -hmm. most of these looks like they, they also come in audiobook and, and not just paperback form as well. So that's nice. really great to see. That's cool. I brought up uh, Nitty Okafor earlier, mm -hmm. uh, the winner of that uh, SFW award. And uh, she is also an author to check out. Uh, lately, she's been doing some, uh, well, she's been doing some comic books work in the Black Panther area around Shuri. But uh, she also has uh, several books uh, in a series called uh, Binti, which you can get the complete trilogy on Amazon. And it comes highly recommended. I have it's one of that's on my list, but my list is like 400 books long now. <laughs> there is no hope. You no want to be hope. like you need to be like that guy in the Twilight Zone, where you know there's nuclear devastation, and he's like the only one left, and he's at the library with thousands of books, and that's all he ever wanted to do was read. Now he's got the plenty of time to read. Well, I mean, we're in the right timeline and the right year for that. <laughs> I just have to be the survivor. Right. And make sure, unlike the guy in the Twilight Zone, that you don't break your reading glasses. That would be horrific. In this case, it's like breaking my Kindle and never or never <clears throat> being able to charge it. Yes. Like, 
There no! Was there was time. I had the time. <laughs> right. Yep. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys. This was a, a great discussion. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, watching episode four tonight and for the rest of the season. It's really good. And yeah, well, uh, you guys need to get on uh, Raised by Wolves. You'll really like it. I, th I think we should, uh, um, once the once the first season of uh, of Lovecraft Country is over, we should get together and like do like a post-mortem on it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Cool. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you all for watching. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, have access to watch Lovecraft Country. Um, again, it's uh, streaming now on HBO Max. So, you know, uh, pluck down your, they, uh, uh, what, 15 bucks and uh, get a subscription. And maybe you maybe wait till it's all out and then you can then you can bulk load it, which we hate to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for watching another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Uh, remember to like and subscribe to us on your uh, podcast of choice, or uh, give us a comment over on YouTube. Uh, we are part of the Synergy Nation Network, so you can also check us out at uh, syn s y n nation .net. And, of course, you can watch this episode and all of our previous episodes, which are linked on our website, galacticdriftwood.space. So have a great, uh, great couple of weeks, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Look out for Shoggoths. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well. <laughs>